Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, BA fam, Mandy here. I am solo this week. Tiffany left me, (laughs) y'all. No, in all seriousness, Tiffany got an extraordinary opportunity, and we love those here. I mean, we don't call it brown ambition for nothing. So Tiffany is off doing her thing this week, and I have been saved by the one and only stock market slayer herself, Delianne, the money coach. You guys I cannot wait for you to meet Delianne. In fact, selfishly, I'm kind of excited about this because with Tiffany being gone this week, it gave me a chance to reach out to Delianne and connect with her on IG. I just shot my shot and I said, I love your content. I love what you're doing. You're blowing up. I want you to come on Brown Ambition and share your story with our audience. And on top of that, it is Hispanic Heritage Month. And it really meant a lot to me that we could showcase one of the baddest ass, bad, bad assist. I don't know how to say that. (laughs) The one of the best Latinas in the game right now. And the fact that there even is a huge influencer space now for Latinas money coaches and money influencers. Y'all, it has been a long time coming. I am a huge fan of Delianne. I know you guys will be too when you hear from her. But let me do a quick intro. So if you don't know about Delianne, she is a Latina money expert and ex-employment law attorney. Yeah, she was an entire attorney, y'all, before she pivoted. And she is going to talk about how she just quit her job less than, what, six months ago and how she's now on track to retire by age 45 and move to where? Of course, to Portugal, (laughs) like everybody else, it seems. Through her business, Delianne, the money coach, Delianne has a goal to show investors that they don't need to wait to become debt-free or earn six figures in order to reach financial freedom. Over 2,500 students have enrolled in her Slay the Stock Market course, which you can find at the link in the show notes. And Delianne's been featured everywhere, CNN, Time, Business Insider, all highlighting her work in support of financial literacy. And of course, check out the show notes to follow her on Instagram and TikTok under her handle, Delianne, the money coach. Now, let me get out of my own way. Tiffany, we hope you are slaying over in LA doing your thing. In the meantime, I'm so excited to introduce you guys to Delianne. So here is our conversation and be sure to come back Friday when we air our BAQ&A episode. Delianne stuck around and she helps me tackle y'all's questions this week. All right, here we go. Here's the show. All right, Delianne, thank you so much for joining Brown Ambition. Thanks for saving my butt, honestly. (laughs) I am honored. Uh, You can call me anytime and I'll be here. (laughs) Just slid into your DMs. Well, listen, you are... I mean, we don't have we don't have co-hosts that often. We did have a few this past summer. And one of my favorite things about inviting someone to sit in the chair, the virtual chair across from me, is genuinely every story is so unique. And yours is definitely one that I have been following. It feels like for the past year, you've just blown up. And I'm like, what is she doing? She's got this, you've got this amazing platform. You are empowering Latina women, especially to take charge not just of their finances, but of the stock market, which is just something that until a couple of years ago, there just wasn't really anybody, I feel like representing that space. So thank God, thank goodness for you and others like you. And thank you for joining Brown Ambition. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm always flattered. And I love spreading this idea that things are changing. Like, 
the conversation around money is changing. The people who are talking about it are changing. And I'm like so honored to be part of that movement. Yeah. I mean, when you so your background, I mean, first of all, you've got you've had a bunch of different lives, it feels like professionally, but you were an attorney. <laughs> and then you transitioned from being a badass attorney to an editor for a, like a legal publication, right? And then yes. you quit entirely. And now you are Deli and Baro slay the stock market, <laughs> teaching investing courses online. But let's back it up. Because I've been reading up on you. And I didn't realize you're originally from Brazil. And is it true that you came to the US and for a long time, you were actually undocumented. So tell me about that. Tell me about your origin story and sort of how you have gotten to where you are today. Because that is such an incredible and unique story that I don't think many people know about you. Yeah, I mean, I, it's funny, because it doesn't seem like that long ago. But I'm like, wow, it's been a lifetime. Um, So yeah, my father got laid off in Brazil. And there aren't that many opportunities where we're from. So he packed us up, brought us to the US. I was eight years old, my sister was four. And we moved to Miami. And that's pretty much like where I grew up from eight to 21. And um, yeah, we were undocumented, all of us. So we were pretty much coached by our parents, like stay out of trouble, go to Mm -hmm. school, um, you know, um, like don't misbehave, don't act out because we can't bring attention to ourselves, right? Like every moment Mm -hmm. could be a risk, for one of us being sent back. So um, growing up with that fear looming over you is something that you don't ever really let go of, right? It's something that is still a part of me today. Anything having to do with immigration still gets me like sweating. Even when I go to the airport and you have to go through immigration, Mm. I'm here, I'm standing here with my American passport, which I've wanted my entire life. um, And I didn't get till what, three, four years ago I became a citizen. And um, I still get like the sweats. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, we were undocumented because we came over as tourists. We overstayed our visa. Um, you know, not something that was I was consulted about. I was eight years old yeah, when it happened. You were a baby. I can't yeah, imagine the, the. None stakes. of us spoke English. None of you spoke English either. Okay. Mm-mm. And wow. so we all learned, you know, trial by fire. I was an ESOL. I was bullied during school. You know, typical. Um, treatments that you get when you're a foreigner, when you're different, right? And mm. when you're growing up in elementary, high school, if you're different at all, you're going to get bullied. So this was part of that. Um, but thankfully, I was in Miami. I definitely wasn't the only one. But growing up there um, was a little claustrophobic. So finally, I did get my papers, I did become a resident, and I just immediately enrolled in college, put myself through law school. I paid um, all my student loan offs last year, which was $150,000. Let's just pause there for a second because it was a hundred <laughs> and you're making it sound like, yeah, I just did this. I got my papers. Yeah, whatever. No uh, big deal. School, just checking no the deal. boxes. 150K. Yeah, everyone can do that. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> now I'm going to retire yeah. in Portugal. But let me slow it down. Okay. Sure. Law school. Why law school? Why was that? Where why why was that um, sort of your your profession of choice? And talk to me about the, I mean, this thread of the mental toll of that fear. You know, I don't know if your parents are citizens now or what their status is, but tell me about that fear and and how that sort of led you into your decision making um, as when you were when you were figuring out school and and your career. Yeah, it was terrifying because. And it was also heartbreaking because I saw all my classmates making big plans to go to these colleges. They were getting scholarships. They were getting financial aid. I didn't qualify for any of those things, right? So I'm graduating at the top of my class in high school and I'm stuck. I'm pretty much frozen. Um, There is no assistance for anybody like me. I would go to the school counselor. I would talk to the principal. There's like, there's nothing we can do. So I was basically on my own until I figured out the immigration situation on my own. Um, but once that got resolved, I'm like, okay, I can start living my life because I literally felt like my life was on pause. Mm-hmm. And why did I choose law school? Well, it was either that or medical school. Because like any other immigrant, I'm like, <laughs> I have to overcompensate for all yeah, of my parents, you know, shortcomings. <laughs> yes. um, and so I'm like, which one is it going to be? I always knew I wanted to help people. Math completely terrified me. 
even though I took calculus, well, whatever, um, I decided let's go to law school, no math. And then I was deciding whether I was going to do immigration or employment law. So I did my internship in immigration and I tested that out. And I don't know, maybe it was a little too close to home. Hmm. It was just too emotional for me. But I'm like, how can I still help this population um, through another way? And so I chose employment law and I did plaintiff side employment law. So I represented employees in discrimination cases, wage and hour cases, um, contract negotiations, you name it, right? I was doing yeah. those type of cases. And I did that for seven years litigation. And it was rewarding work. But if you talk to any attorney, being an attorney is extremely stressful. It, you're getting stressed from all different levels, the partners, the, cl- the clients, the your coworkers, everywhere, right? And it's just this constant stress and very little support especially for people of color, especially for women of color. Um, and so I felt very isolated and I felt overwhelmed and I felt like I chose a profession again because I was trying to prove a point instead of really following my heart, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and also because I wanted financial security. God, I desperately wanted. I was, you know, we were poor. We, I was living <laughs> in Miami. I was living in an apartment. I, I tell people, I'm like, I used to live a broom by the door because I would come in and have to kill the cockroaches. Because it was mm. like a little kitchenette and it was, there was no sink in the bathroom. I had to like brush my teeth in the shower. It was, you know, not a good situation. And so for me, education meant lifting myself out of poverty. Like I needed education to be that ladder for me out. Mm. And it did. It did become that ladder. But it also trapped me in this capitalist game that I didn't realize I was now part of. Right. Um, and so walking away from my legal career took a huge mindset shift for me to happen. That was because that I was, wasn't even that long ago, was it? I mean, we're talking. No, about I mean, a I literally years. quit. I mean, March of this year. Wait, just this past March? Yeah. Wow. March twenty twenty one. What I put in my notice? That? So that's a big milestone, especially for anyone who's like you. For example, you discovered the the fire movement, financial independence, mm-hmm. retire early. When was that? A couple of years ago or so? When you discovered that movement? Yeah, twenty nineteen. 2019. Super soon. I'm the kind of person where I like, I discover something, I go all in. (laughs) I'm finding that out. I'm like, good Lord, we've been doing this show for six years. Anyway. um, So tell me, I mean, you discovered the fire movement. You're you quit your job less than a year ago. How has a what are your what do your parents think? What do your parents think of what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, I unfortunately, my dad's not in my life. But my mom is Mm. she lives in Brazil. Um, She was just wrapping her head around the fact that I was an attorney. She was like just starting to understand what I did. And now I'm like, oh, I'm not doing that anymore, mom. I teach people about investing in the stock market. She's like, what? (laughs) So, But she's very supportive. She's like, she just wants to see us all happy and healthy, taken care of. So, yeah, we have this distant relationship because she's been living in Brazil for the last, what, 12, 13 years. Oh, so she went back when you were still, yeah, in your 20s or so. Mm-hmm. What, and yep. you, so you have a little sister? I have two little sisters, one two, okay. that lives in Hawaii and one that lives in Colorado. So you guys take care. I, I have siblings and we're, I feel you because my siblings live in different states too. And it's crazy because I feel like I spent my 20s just not really caring about the distance. But now that I'm in my mid 30s and I got a baby, I'm like, wait, why do you guys live so far away? But how important exactly. are are those relationships to you? No, absolutely. And so my sister now lives in Hawaii, which is the closest we've been geographically in forever because she used to live in Singapore. Um, So now it feels like she's right there all of a sudden, Um, but she'll probably be moving again. Yeah, same. As I've gotten older, I felt that having that physical proximity to your family is really, really important. So my hope is to retire in Portugal and bring my mom. I want to like bring the nucleus back together. I'm trying to convince my sister to move there, my mom. And I'm like, let's get the family back together. (laughs) Why Portugal? It seems like everyone's moving to Portugal. Portugal's got some like serious shine on it right now. What is in the water over there? Yeah. Tell me about it. How did you arrive at that decision um, and what drew you to it? I I, I can't speak to for everyone else. I'm Brazilian. So for me, the connection is natural. Mm-hmm. Um, I speak Portuguese, although the Portuguese there is different. 
I visited two, three years ago. God, everything's jumbled now. And I absolutely fell in love with it. Um, I've always loved Europe, Spain, Italy, France. But when I visited Portugal, it felt like home. Like mm. the people were lovely. It just, it was safe. It was calm, right? I'm just coming from New York because I've lived in New York City for 15 years. It was just a different vibe. And when I started putting together my financial independence plan and I'm like, wow, it's going to be difficult to swing this here in the States, right? Especially now that I'm living in California. But I'm like, what if I moved abroad, right? But yeah. then the again, the immigration thing came up, the fears. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to have to deal with deal with immigration again. I just became a citizen. Now I'm going to, I don't know. I felt like I was risking it. Mm. Um, but then I realized that becoming a citizen in Portugal is actually quite simple, <laughs> quite easy to move there, <laughs> to become a odd resident. to think of a country to being a, welcoming to immigrants. Yes. Right. <laughs> How odd. And um, mm. so they have something that's called a D7 visa, visa which is um, basically if you have any kind of passive income, there's like a, a threshold that you have to meet. You meet that threshold, you can come live there, um, and you can become a citizen after five years. Done. And that gives me a lot of peace of mind, not only for myself, but for my mom, because I'm going to be taking care of her. So even though I don't mm -hmm. have kids, I am taking care of a generation above me, right? And so I want to make sure that she's taken care of, that she has health, uh, health insurance, access to all of that. And it was important when I was choosing which country that I could check those boxes. Yeah. That's wonderful. So what's your goal? When are you going to be in Portugal? When what it does? And when you set, first of all, I'm a victim of my own deadlines <laughs> all the time. So I'm just I'm going to ask you this, but I'm also thinking like you can move your deadlines anytime, girl, like it is not that big of a deal. I don't mean to put any pressure on you. But in no, your best case scenario, so when are you going to be that. there? I'm yeah. so glad you said that because th that's how I am too. I when I speak something into existence, I feel obligated to make it happen exactly as I said it. Yeah. And that's such a, I don't know if that's a Scorpio thing. I don't know if that's an immigrant a, thing or if it's Leo just a type thing. A thing. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, the timeline is about in the next two years. Two Pretty years. Soon. Okay. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, the only reason for that is because I want to get over there, do some scouting and I haven't been able to because of, you know, the panoramic. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, once I have a, a minute to hang over there, do some house shopping, house hunting, um, feel a little bit better about where we're going to land, then I will probably be escalating those plans. So what I love about your story too, is that you acknowledge like I was a full, a full lawyer, a full, a full attorney at law. <laughs> four blocks away from Wall Street. And even I didn't know how investing work, you've said, how investing works, you said, or how the stock market worked. So what was that aha moment for you? And I'm I'm even just getting a sense from our conversation so far. I'm sure like you learned it and you were immediately like, okay, great. These are the facts. Now I'm going to implement this. And four years later, you're going to be in Portugal. But walk us back to yeah. that moment. What was that like for you? I mean, you, you even say that you weren't even investing in your 401k. You know, well, I was. I was actually, I was investing it, thank God, okay. from 2011, but okay. without understanding anything what was going on inside of it. Like literally my HR person, which was a woman of color, a black woman, which I'm like, thank God, somebody was looking out, came to me and said, excuse me, why aren't you investing in the 401k? <laughs> literally free money. What are you talking about? And yeah. I'm thinking, what are you talking about? Why do I need to be thinking about this right now? I have all these student loans. You want me to think about my life in my 60s? I don't have, I'm trying to make life work here in New York City. She's like, no, 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 you have to sign up for it. Thank God she did that. And so I have had it for the last 10 years. And it is the mm -hmm. account that I'm the most proud of because it's the one that I've put the least amount of money in and it's grown the most. So it shows you like the power of compound interest, you know? Dude, we're like, soul, I'm we're stock market soul sisters, I feel like, because <laughs> I started my 401k in 2011 as well. Although I, I was for a year not investing at all. And what I love about your story, and actually I was just, CNBC recently ran a story that I wrote about my net worth journey. And first of all, the bros at CNBC on their IG page, like, I can take it. Like, what does that mean? You know, baby, I'm a gangster too. So if you come for me and try to tell me, oh, well, of course you, your net worth increased, you know, the stock market's been up for a decade. I'm like, yeah, 
That's the point. The point is that I started and that is what so many people struggle with. And that's what I love about your story and mine is that those little tiny baby 401ks, they were like a little seedling, you know, and I put my little money in there and it was, it, it's, it's beautiful to see the grow, but it's also like, yeah, give us our, give us our flowers for starting something before you, but just like, like that, that little like seed of faith that you had, that you're going to grow into something larger and the patience and hells yeah, we can celebrate it, you know, a decade later. I, I love that. I love that. I know. And it's such, it's so frustrating with the bros because they don't want to give us our props because we mm. were passive investors. We're yeah. not stock pickers, right? We're not day trading. And so because Crypto. we can't, yeah, we can't like, you know, sign off on some fancy stock that made us a bajillion percent return. Somehow that lessens our accomplishment, which mm. is complete BS. Um, because at the end of the day, who makes money is the person who did it consistently over time, yep. patiently kept their money in, let it grow, and didn't mess around with it. And this is why women are statistically better investors than men. Amen. Hands so down. Surprised. So because we know how to do this. <laughs> and so the only problem with, with women, quote unquote women, is that we're not doing it enough. That's it. If we just need to invest more, we need to participate more. But... um when we do, we're great investors. So when I found out about financial independence and I started learning about investing, my reaction was anger, to be honest. I was really okay. angry. I was angry that I didn't know this stuff. I'm like, how is it that I'm a professional making six figures, like you said, living in New York City, surrounded by stock market information all day long, and I don't understand the basics of investing. That's how I knew. I was like, wow, if the information is not trickling down to me, it's definitely not trickling down to other people because all I hear everybody talking about is real estate. That's it. You want to build wealth, you got to go buy something. And so that's the message that I was adhering to, hoarding cash in my savings account, chasing New York City real estate, never getting anywhere. And I'm like, I don't understand how, do, how are people building their net worth? Like, how am I ever going to stop working someday? It seems like it's going to go on forever. And so when I found out about it, that's why I was... It was such a quick buy-in for me. I mean, obviously I did my research, I looked into it, but I was like, this is it. This is the way out. And then <laughs> I just started using social media to share my my own personal journey. And that's when it started growing into something way more. <laughs> yeah. So that decision that you made, I mean, you, like you said, is it is it right that you had this big chunk of change, like a hundred grand that you had mm -hmm. set aside for what, a home, like a down payment? And you you discovered fire. And what did you decide to do with that money instead? So I split into three buckets. One was my emergency fund because I need to sleep at night. I need yes. money in the bank, always and forever. Um, and I, I tell everybody that you do too. And then I sent another big chunk to Navient. Here, Navient, <laughs> take your freaking money. Please yes. get out of my face. Mm -hmm. Okay. Can't because wait for I the had been ignoring my student right? loans. No, you this were, was um yeah. also this was October 2019. Mm. 5 months before the pandemic. Yeah. Um you know stock market is at all-time highs. I don't care. I'm like I did my research, I'm in it for the long run. Then I took another $50,000 and I put it in a brokerage account at Vanguard. Mm. 5 months before the pandemic. So I did the scary thing that everybody's scared to do. Oh my god, mm. what if I put money in and then the market crashes? It literally I did it. And guess what? That money has recovered and continued to grow since then. Yeah, dude. Totally fine. The S&P 500 was at 2,900 when I did that, which was all-time highs. Mm -hmm. Today, it's at 4,400. <laughs> yeah. So that 50K, how much? what's the value today? I mean, I don't have like the exact number on it, but think about it. It dropped in value 40% in March. So I was mm -hmm. down. Like it went into my principal which is the thing you never want, right? So you, yeah. I lost all my growth and then the money, some of the money that I put in. So it was up to like almost 60K by the time the market crashed. So I put okay. in 50, it was up to like 60. So I lost the 10 that grew up, that grew. And then I lost another 10. So I what was, like, was your oh reaction? How did you stick with it? How did you not? Yeah, panic? I mean, it's funny because my reaction is actually documented on Instagram. 
Because remember, <laughs> I'm in is. the middle of launching my business. This yeah. I'm talking about investing. And I'm literally talking everybody else down off a ledge. And I'm like, this is the moment we've been waiting for. This is mm. what I've been telling you guys might happen. And so um, I continue to pay off my student loans, but I also continue to invest. And I'm so glad I did that. And I did it all throughout 2020. I actually poured $100,000 into the market in 2020. Okay. I'm so glad I did. So you don't know the exact value. I mean, do you not typically, I, I try to not look at my accounts too, too often. I try to look yeah. at my net worth and uh, that nice round number. And, and you know, that's what I'm kind of focused on. But how often are you checking your numbers? I think we got a question from someone who was like, I've gotten it um, through Mandy Money. Just how do I stop checking my accounts? I'm obsessed mm. with watching the progress. What What's that relationship been like for you? I think in the beginning, that's totally normal. If you're brand new to investing, of course, they're going to be watching you, right? It's something so new, especially if you didn't take a lot of time to learn about the history of the stock market. You're kind of learning on the go. Mm -hmm. So that's why you're so nervous. But trust me, you'll get bored of that <laughs> because life will move on. <laughs> you're going to get yeah. sick of seeing the ups and downs and people will just move on with their lives. So I think that's actually a normal reaction. And I'm not going to tell you to not do it because when you tell people not to do something, then they really want to do it. So yeah. it's fine. But I check my accounts every day, but this is my job. Like, that's why I look at the market every day. I'm telling everybody, hey, my account, for instance, today, recording today, the market's down 2%. Um, my brokerage account just fell $8,000. Like I know these things because I'm also sharing it with my audience. I'm telling them, hey, I'm in it with you. Um, mm. I'm seeing my account move down. Guess what I just did? I just bought more. <laughs> like mm. I'm talking them through it as I'm experiencing too. And I think that that calms people down. Yeah. Okay. No, that makes a lot of sense. I try not to look. I don't even pay attention it was That's liberating. Better. It's so it's much, much more better. liberating when you feel like, okay, I am, I've chosen this lifestyle as a passive investor. The yes. point of it is it's called passive. Like you just float, you know, you're on your little raft and you're just floating and you're just enjoying the scenery and it's all working for you. It's just having that, <laughs> having that faith. Um, well, let's when talk I look about at my that. 401k, sorry, when I look at my 401k, yeah, that's what I did. I ignored it for 10 years. I'm just mm. now aware of it because I'm painfully aware of everything about investing. But before yeah. that, I ignored it for years. And guess what? It grew and it did its thing. So you don't need to be watching it. Absolutely. Let's talk about fire. Do you have a fire number? Is there a uh, – I know we talked about time earlier and the time when you want to be in Portugal. But is there more than time? Is there like an actual number you want to reach for your net worth or your, your portfolio before you know it's time to move? Yeah, um, I don't necessarily need to hit fire to move. I used to think that was the case. And it was because I was tied to my nine to five, mm -hmm. right? So if I was going to stay on my nine to five, then I had to hit fire before I could quit my job. But I became financially independent sooner because of my business. So things changed faster than I expected. Um, but as far as financial independence, and I like to call it financial independence, relax early, because I think retiring just has this connotation <laughs> that people get allergic to it. They hear it. They're like, oh, my God, retiring. That sounds so done, yeah. <laughs> over. Tired. Right? Um, yes. And I'm like, it's not that. It's just a moment where now you can pause and decide how, what do you want your life to look like? That's all it is. It gives you all the freedom to decide. So for me, like I said, financial independence, relax early. I definitely have a number because I'm very goal, or, goal oriented. So I think it's important to have a number. And so right now that number is one and a half million. And that's just for me. But what I, a new term that I think I've coined, I haven't heard anybody else um, use it, is family fire, which it means like, is there anybody else like extended family or someone outside of your household that you're also saving and investing for, which I am, which is my mom. So our family fire number is actually 2 million, right? So to cover both me and my mom. And this is all assuming that I am withdrawing somewhere between like 50 to $70,000 a year to cover both my living expenses and her living expenses. So that's like where, you know, I'm directionally going. Obviously things can change. That number can go up. That number can go down. And that's the beauty of fire is that you're supposed to be 
super flexible, right? Things can change, like the market can change, your plans can change. A lot of people think that like you're locked in and then that's it, or that you're living this pretty miserable, frugal lifestyle, right? Pinching pennies, cutting coupons, not enjoying yourself. Totally not true. I travel, I spend money on leggings, I bought a Peloton. I, you know, the thing is, what I've realized is that I've learned how to value what I want to spend my money on. Like, what am I going to do to, it's like the Marie Kondo of spending, like, you know, what is gonna bring, bring me the most joy? I'm gonna double down on those things and I'm gonna cut out all the junk. And you feel a lot more like fulfilled when you do that. Yeah, when you talk about, Family fire. I, I I like that expression because I think especially that is a point of view that isn't typically, you know, spoken about because the people who generally lead conversations about fire are, you know, white men, white women, white families. And typically they may not have to take care of a family or take them along with them because their families are fine already. But especially for you, you know, you're being an immigrant with your with your mom, wanting to take care of her and your your siblings as well. Do you feel like I, I, I want to like phrase this the right way because I got this question when I when I came clean. I, I published a story on CNBC about my net worth and how it's grown. And um, one of my really good friends <laughs> called me up and he's like, aren't you afraid people are going to be coming with their hands out, you know, trying to get those coins? And my reaction was just like, no, no. I mean, I it's not not in a way where it's I feel obligated to take care of people, but it's like that's the point. The point of breaking, you know, generational um, poverty and generational like lack of knowledge of financial fina finances and the financial markets is to help them see what's possible in a way. And I wonder, there's a flip side though. It's like you'd be surprised how much family doesn't want your advice when you are like the money person. And so I'm wondering what the dynamic is for you with your siblings, with your mom. Do you feel like they they are coming to you for advice? Are you trying to like show them the way? Or are you just like, right. hey, uh, hop on this fire train. Don't worry about how we're getting there. But like, come exactly. on, let's go. <laughs> That's know? kind of how I did it with my mom. Um, you know, she, um, my mom basically was the stereotypical Latina mom where like the man took care of everything. My dad took care of all the money in the household. She just followed along. She took care of us. You know, that was her job. And so she's just now learning about money herself because she now has a business in Brazil. She has a little pet shop. And so she's learning about money herself. Um, and I send my mom money every month. She doesn't have to work if she didn't want to, but she likes work. Um, she, it's the first time that she's like independent. So she's mm -hmm. stepping into that. And I want to be encouraging of that, but I also want to make sure that my mom's taken care of. Um, and I tell her mom, I could send you much more, but I want you to know what the plan is so you can see what I'm doing with the money. And so I explained to her that I'm saving and investing for us, that my plan is for us to move to Portugal. What does she think of that? Um, I would like to buy her a home. She's like, yeah, that sounds amazing. Let's do it. <laughs> so, of so she's course, down. She's down. She's to totally move to Portugal. down. Okay. Absolutely. So that's with my mom. With my sister, it was a little different. It took me months to be able to show her the power of investing and the, st and the stock market and everything. And it's funny because I'm like, dude, it's easier for me to teach strangers on the internet about this stuff than it was with you. And that's the, you know, the, how it is with family, right? You're going to approach family. It's always going to be, there's going to be more skepticism there. Um, but the funny thing is that we were both coaching each other because my sister's my business coach. And so here I am teaching okay. her about money and she's teaching me about business. And so we were able to build that symbiotic relationship where now she's an investor. She's has her solo 401k and everything. And she's helped me with my business. So um, it, it's worked out really well. I can't think of a less passive thing than running a business. Like maybe we can be passive investors, but you can't be a passive. There's, I don't feel like there's a, they call it passive income, but it's no. not really fair because you dude, you're doing all of your own content. You, you kill it yes. on the reels and whatever the TikToks that you're doing. <laughs> And it's like that takes work, the amount of so time to create the content that ain't passive. You know what I mean? No. So how, what do you feel like you're working now more than ever to get to fire? And it, but is it different because you, you know, you're enjoying it more? Tell me what the dynamic is now yes. for you and work. And I'm very, again, I'm very transparent about my journey. Um, I am not one of those people who is like, 
oh, I was able to do all of the things while I launched my business. I, you know, I still got my manicures and I still got this and I still got to enjoy my life and balance, you know? No. Okay. There was no balance. I basically launched my business at the height of the pandemic. We were all locked inside. There was no balance in any of our lives. I think in that time, um, we were all either being overworked, overstressed, uh, overeating, over drinking. We were doing all the things to like self-soothe. Right. And so mm-hmm. for me, I threw myself into my work. I threw myself into my business. And so I, I worked like 12, 14 hour days, but it didn't feel like work because I was, um, you know, working on something creative for the first time in my life. Being an attorney is the opposite of being creative. It's very (laughs) rules based, right? It's very like, this is how we do this. And so with um, my business, I got to unlock a whole different side of my brain that I didn't even know was there. Um, and so I was completely consumed with it. I absolutely loved it. And there is a lot of front loading when you start a business. You are going to do a ton of work in the beginning to like rev up. Um, and then eventually, if you do it right and you have a good coach, which I did, she taught me how to build systems, right? You got to build systems and you have to start outsourcing things like If you don't start outsourcing things, if you think you can do all of the things on on your own, you are going to burn out and your business won't last very long. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I want this to be a sustainable business. Now I work like 10, 12 hours a week, you know, and most of that is creating content and just engaging with my audience on Instagram, which is stuff that I loved and I used to do for free. So now I get to do it as part of my business. So I, um... I am living like that stereotype of like, do what you love and you never feel like you work a day in your life. (laughs) I always thought that was BS, but it's true. Except for all the ramp up. So tell me, I'm a baby business owner. I don't know if you have followed Brown Ambition, but I launched... Launch sounds like such an exciting and, you know, a spectacular word, but I just, you know... I posted on Instagram that I was setting up my own business um, <laughs> in in May or June, and Tiff's always kind of dropping little business coaching gems. But yes. you are—I feel like you know—how are you so far ahead? But you're not even that far. Like you just—you just quit your job in March, and I'm just—I feel like I'm just kind of accepting the fact that I'm a you know entrepreneur now. But tell me more. Give me more tips. So what, what were the things that, what are the things that you're outsourcing that you feel like have helped your business grow and helped you get to a 10 hour work week? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I got a virtual assistant, um, a virtual okay. assistant there in the Philippines. So if you're starting out and you want to, you Philippines know, manage is your lit. expenses. I've heard lots about oh, the Philippines. They're amazing. <laughs> Where and do you I'm, find them? Through Upwork um, or like? Yeah. That? You can find them on Fiverr, on Upwork. Um, there's a website that's like, I think it's called onlineassistance.ph or something like that, virtualassistance.ph. Okay. Um, but they are amazing. Do not sleep on Philippine virtual assistants. And so it's a great way to start. Um, eventually, I will need a, a, a personal assistant here in the States with me so that we can be on the same time zone. But right now, it's all working out fine. Um, but basically, and what is that? Of- what is that VA doing that you find helpful? Yes. So they're doing a lot of the stuff in the background for me. So things that I used to do, like when I go do my monthly class, um, I'd have to email the list. I'd have to um, let everybody know when it's happening. Hey, going live now. Um, I'd have to do a tracking of who's buying, when they're buying. Um, I have a community that's part of my course. And so I need to track um, who's still part of the community and whose community access has expired. They're doing all that tracking. Um, they also upload my videos. Whenever I'm done doing my class, I have to upload the replay and send that out to, to everybody who attended. I used to do all this stuff manually. So I'd be done with my class and then I would spend another two, three hours on my computer, like finalizing everything, uploading videos, editing videos um, yeah. to send that out. And now I literally just turn off my computer and I can go have a drink, you know, and they take care of everything like that. So um, that's um, something major that they do. They ma- She manages my community where people um, submit questions. So she collects all those questions for me. So at the end of the day, it's all like in a spreadsheet. I can just go in and like answer them. Um, I coach my students two times a month. 
And I want to take it to the next level, though, where I have an assistant also in my inbox, like answering my emails, scheduling my press calls, um, talking to people about collaborations. Like I'm still doing all of that myself, Mm. managing my email, but that's going to be the next level. The one thing that I don't think I'll ever outsource is my social media content. Like that's my face. Obviously, I need to be present. Mm. Um, That's the way I connect with my audience. I write all my own captions. I create all my own uh, social media, but I have hired a team to actually like post everything. So I don't have to sit there and post things anymore. Like I have somebody doing that, making sure everything's going through. If there's any glitches on Instagram, they take care of it. So I create all of the creative, but I have people doing like the execution part of it. And mm-hmm. you think like, what's the big deal? Like posting something on Instagram takes two minutes. It it doesn't. It takes time. <laughs> yeah. <gosh. laughs> you know? Who are you telling? And, and with yeah. TikTok too. Are you on TikTok? Are you TikTok yeah. or are you the reels girl? No, yeah. I have 200,000 followers on TikTok. Oh, shit. Okay. Yes. I feel like I see most of your content IG on IG because TikTok knows me too well and all they do is serve me plant content. Plants and um, TLC, Dr. Pimple Popper uh, content. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, I love that you're doing your own thing. And I think it's all about what you enjoy doing, right? And I think it's doing the work that you enjoy, at p- the parts of your job that you enjoy doing that and doing it unapologetically. Because yes. I've heard, well, you got to outsource your social and you got to do this and you got to, you know, outsource writing, you know, your articles. I would never have someone ghostwrite for me. I just, I have done it and I've, I've had writers who, or have people yes. who have things ghostwritten. I don't know. I can't even, I'm trying, I have an admin, she tried to write an email and even that I'm like, oh, no, 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 this is how I would say it. Like I have a particular way of talking and speaking and I'm like, maybe this isn't something I can outsource. But so I appreciate that. It's about, yeah, you know, but there's some things that I at least can identify that I don't, you know, that don't need the magic Mandy touch or the magic flair, you know, or it's not even magic, just, you know, that personality, which at the end of the day is how you're connecting to your community, right? It's through, mm-hmm. they come to see you specifically talking about the topic that you're talking and using your your point of view. How do you feel like, I mean, you're such a strong, I mean, you're a strong woman with a, with a, with a strong point of view. I feel like it took me even longer to get to a place because my background's in journalism. I was in the background mm-hmm. interviewing the Delians and the Tiffany's and learning a ton, but it wasn't until the last year where I kind of stood up and said, you know, I have a point of view. I have thoughts. I have, <laughs> I have, I, yeah, I, have, I have ideas. I do have opinions and strong ones yeah. at that about how, you know, you manage your finances and your career and all of that. Mm-hmm. Where do you think that confidence came from for you? Because I, um, I admire it a lot. Thank you. Um, I think I've always been very focused in my life. I, you know, you don't put yourself through law school by yourself and pay off $100,000 student loans when you don't have like a ton of focus. So I've always been a very focused person in my life. Um, But that being said, um, I always credit my sister with helping me find my voice because when I first started my business, I'm like, should I talk about paying off debt? Should I talk about uh, building credit? Should I talk about investing? I was trying to go all different directions. She's like, you can't be something for everyone. She's like, no one's going to listen to you if you try to serve too many people. Who can you serve the best? And what are you going to enjoy the most? And let's double down on that. And so when I realized that, yes, paying off debt is super important. Managing money is super important. But the thing that I was feeling the most passionate and fired up about, no pun intended, was financial (laughs) independence, right? It was the journey that I myself was personally going on. And um, I'm like, gosh, I really want to bring people with me. I don't want to, you know, be alone in this journey. I always, I also felt kind of alone when I started. And so it was, you know, from a selfish place of like not wanting to be by myself and wanting to share. And it's what I was educating and consuming at the moment. I was just reading everything I could touch about this subject. And so my sister, you know, was like, well, let's do that. Let's focus on financial independence. Let's focus on investing. This is what you're, you know, it seems to be like your passion project and let's grow from there. And so having that direction helped to like clear out a lot of noise and I didn't waste a lot of time because I think with new entrepreneurs, unfortunately, finding your voice is something where a lot of your, um, like that initial rev up, that initial, oh my God, I'm so motivated. I'm feeling so passionate. You can waste a lot of that good energy just finding your niche. And so if Mm. you can kind of clear through that pretty quickly and just get to the point where you're like, 
launching your offer. Like, what is it that you're going to sell? Just sell it. Um, yeah. You will save a lot of headaches, right? And what I always tell people is like, don't worry about the branding. It doesn't matter what your colors are. It doesn't matter what kind of website you have. I did, I did not just launch a website. I launched my website two months ago. So I hit a million dollars in revenue in my business without a website. Wow. Okay. You don't need a website. <laughs> so once you're you need a landing out. page to sell your product. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So t- let's talk about that product because so you've learned you've learned the stock market. What is it that so you have a course, you have a community? What so so yeah? Tell the BA audience where they can find your content and what they can expect when they do. Sure. So I launched Slay the Stock Market a year ago. Actually, it was exactly September a year ago. And I taught the class. I thank you. I taught the class live to 10 people. And I was ecstatic because I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe 10 people showed up for this. Amazing. (laughs) And so I took all of that content that I created for that class. And then I my sister was like, well, let's turn this into a course. You know, like you did it. You did all the heavy lifting, you taught it, you created it. Let's turn it into a course. And so I, you know packaged it in a in a digital way where people can like purchase it all together and so now it's a digital course that you can purchase you can watch at your own pace and coupled with access to me um with you know group coaching so i go live twice a month and i answer questions and i guide people through the material and so that combination of those two things is basically you know the product and that's what i've been selling that's the only offer i have i have no other products this is it. Okay. There's the no Delian t-shirt, no Delian nope. tote bag. <laughs> nope. There is nothing else. So that's another okay. misconception. People are like, oh, I need multiple products, you know, to have a successful business. Let me do yeah. this. Let me do that. I barely do sponsored content. I don't even like doing sponsored ads. Sorry. Mm. Um, I don't <laughs> like it. I'm very picky with it. I've done maybe six or seven collaborations total in the entire time that I've been in business. Um, So for me, I'm very picky about what I, you know, who I collaborate with and, but that's it. The, the, the 95% of the money that I've made in my business has come from my course. The other 5% has come from a few sponsorships and from, um, speaking engagements. I do do workshops, like corporate workshops. So I've done one for Google. Mm. I've done one for Hubble. So I do do that as well. But the bulk of it has come from this this course. That's exciting. So I mean, how do you keep that fresh and engaging for yourself? Like, do you, it's only been a year. And again, I'm not trying to like, you know, I'm not, listen, (laughs) I have one baby and already people, I'm, he's about to turn two. And just this morning, I'm, my mom was calling and she's like, no, no, it's never that direct. It's always like today it was, (laughs) today it was, I don't know, man, how are you going to top this kid? I'm like, what do you mean? How am I going to top him? Well, when, you know, it's going to be a tough act to follow when you have the next. I'm like, beep. I don't know. Just like, I can't. (laughs) I'm on the way to the grocery store. I don't want to talk about this right now. (laughs) Disconnected. Sorry. Bye. But Um, when you think about, you're so passionate, especially about educating Latinas in this community, what do you think is next? Is there a next level? Is there something else that you want people to learn about that you're equally passionate about? I mean, now that I have launched the business from beginning to end, right, I feel like the next progression is helping people to understand social media better Um, because I absolutely love it. And I'm now noticing that people do struggle with creating content and creating social media and understanding, you know, how to create engaging content. For me, it's something that comes really natural to me. Again, I think we tend to downplay our gifts because because something comes naturally to you doesn't mean that it doesn't have value of you teaching it to someone else. And Mm -hmm. so that's something that I've done my whole life is like, oh, I understand this. So everybody else must too. And you just assume, right? So I'm, I'm learning to like, um, not do that, but I think learning, you know, teaching people how to grow on Instagram, on TikTok, uh, and if, and launch their own businesses. Um, I think that'll probably be the next progression because I get business questions all the time. Um, and so I love talking about that just as much as investing. So that'll probably be the next, uh, product, but not for a while. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, I just feel like with investing, it's incredible to me that people try to do so much when it comes to the personal finance space. Cause I'm like, how? I learned something new about investing every day. So, you know, when people are like, oh, why don't you branch out into this? Why don't you branch out into this? And I'm like, I feel like I am deeply, you know, involved in investing because it's like there's constantly new laws coming out, new regulations, just like 
just like employment law. When I was an employment attorney, I'm like, I couldn't imagine doing any other kind of law because there's constantly new case law mm. coming out and keeping things fresh. And that's how investing is. I mean, Biden is about to pass a ton of new laws that's going to change the game. So um, I feel like that keeps things really fresh and interesting. Yeah. And tax codes too. I've never cared oh, so much about the tax code until- So much tax. <laughs> yes. Um, God, I wish I could keep talking to you and asking you a million questions, <laughs> but- I do want to get to y'all's questions. You know, you got to tune yes. in for our BA Q&A show on Fridays. But let me let me close with this. I mean, because I think just from the outside looking in, obviously, it seems like, Delian, you just got here and you're already killing the game. And, you know, I'm learning a lot just from watching you. And I'm I'm just loving it because it feels like there's more people at the cookout now. It's just it's a party. You know what I mean? Like yes. there's just more voices. And um, I just, I, I really relate to your content as well. What makes you proudest about your platform and the work that you're doing now, thinking about where you've come from and where you are now? I mean, what what brings you the most joy? And you're like, yeah, I did the damn thing. <laughs> yeah, I am just so proud that I'm opening the door for so many people to think about money in a different way. Um, I've been approached by so many people saying, you know, I've heard other people talk about this, talk about investing in the stock market, but I didn't trust them. And I trust you. And I take that really seriously. I'm like, wow, like having somebody's trust, I don't take that lightly, you know? And mm -hmm. so I don't know if that's from me being an attorney or it's just, you know, hopefully I could say it's part of my uh, character and my integrity, but I... I take that really seriously. I think that I'm out there representing our community and I try to do it, you know, no, with nobility and with honesty. And I always try to tell my audience, like, I'm trying to be as transparent as possible, probably a little too much. My mom's like, do you need to be as transparent? Um, <laughs> you know, some people are a little concerned, but um, I'm really proud of the movement that I'm seeing in the Latino community, because I think for a long time, we have been fearful of the financial industry with cause. Like we mm -hmm. have been, um, we have been targeted, we have been abused, we have been neglected by the financial community. And so I feel like I'm trying to bridge some of that gap. And I think I'm, you know, making my own little dent in a way. And so whenever I do meet a new Latino, Latina who is like, dude, I started investing because of you. Thank you so much for everything that you did. That is, that's a huge, huge compliment. And I, um, I'm honored that anybody is um, using my content to change their life. It's it's amazing. I love that. I ha I lied though. I have another question. I can't stop <laughs> thinking about what an extraordinary story you have and the fact that you you got citizenship just how many years ago? Four or five years yeah, ago? Yeah, I became a citizen in twenty. 15. So 15. right before the presidential. So the Trump election was the, my first time voting <sighs> in a presidential election. Yes. I wanted to ask, what's your relationship? <laughs> I'm still figuring out. And I, you know, I feel like Michelle Obama, she got into some hot water. I'm not at all Michelle Obama's level. But <laughs> whenever anybody tries to be a tiny bit critical of our country, I feel like people get really upset about it. Yes. But you know what? Hey, you like your, your family's I, I feel like the country is my family so I can be a little critical you know it's there Thanksgiving you and you come over and it's like oh did you gain weight <laughs> like we can say that but <laughs> what is your relationship like with this country now I mean you you came here undocumented at eight years old you're from Brazil you you kill yourself in school to become an attorney you get saddled with six-figure debt and by the way got no financial aid because you weren't a you know uh, a citizen you you pay that debt off now you're teaching people to be um, stock market investors and empowering women and let in the Latinx community. How do you feel about this country? Um, and you're about to leave us and I'm kind of like, well, damn, we're losing a good one. But what's your, how has that changed? How has your relationship changed with America? Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be complex, right? And I think the most beautiful thing about where we live is the fact that just because I'm proud to be here and I fought really hard to become an American citizen and I'm so glad I am. That doesn't mean that I don't have a right to criticize my country. Like I have mm -hmm. every right and I do, you know, I tell people all the time that capitalism is a problematic system, right? But we can't just opt out of it. So this idea of like, oh, 
capitalism, you know, is um, the core of everything. It's the reason why we're in the, in the trouble that we are. So you shouldn't invest. You shouldn't put your money in these companies because that's part of the problem. And I'm like, that's not going to solve the problem. Like mm -hmm. taking yourself out of the room, giving up your seat at the table is not going to solve the problem. If anything, I want more seats at the table. I want more voices at the table so that we can change the conversation. So that's how I see it. I see it as like money is going to give us a voice because that is what is the loudest in this country is money. And um, it's going to give us an opportunity to like say what's important to us, right? Like, especially for Latinos, like we are such a force in this country. So we have to come together and show our voice. Um, so for me, yeah, it's always going to be a complicated relationship with America, especially, you know, going through the immigration process like I did. But I will never deny that my life is a hundred times better living here than it would have it would have been if I had stayed in Brazil, for sure. If I had been in Brazil, I think, um, yeah, my life would have been completely different. I probably would have like three or four kids by now. This is literally my the life that my cousins are living. They all have three or four kids. Um, they're stay-at-home moms. Not that there's anything wrong with that life, but it wasn't the life that I feel like I was, you know, destined to live. It would have just been the life that you live because of the situation that you're in. Like you, I would have been stripped mm -hmm. of any other choices, basically. So um, I'll never deny the opportunities that I've been given here. But that doesn't mean that there aren't points, valid points to criticize. Yeah. And I feel like you even deserve a, a, a more opportunities to criticize because like I was just born here. I didn't have to try that hard. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you had to work for it. So yeah, can we can we hear what Delianne has to say about this country? You know what I mean? Um, so we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and do one of my favorite segments. Um, brown Boost Brown Break. Are you ready? I'm so ready. All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll A quick break. We'll be right back with the beautiful and delightful Delianne Barros. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, 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 BA fam. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. That's incredible. This is according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 150 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Okay, it's smart. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Brown Ambition. Just go to Indeed.com slash Brown Ambition right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Brown Ambition. Terms and conditions apply. You need to hire. You need Indeed. Do you ever have subscriptions that you forget about? I did. Mm -hmm. Do you have a hard time canceling those subscriptions because they seem tricky or time consuming? Raise your hand. I know it's you. Okay. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Yes. I can see all my subscriptions in one place. And if I see something I don't want, I cancel it with a tap. I've never had to get on the phone with customer service in order to do so. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Okay. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash brownandbition. 
That's rocketmoney.com slash brown ambition, rocketmoney.com slash brown ambition. We are back. All right, Delianne, I'm putting you in the hot seat. You have some big budgetista shoes to fill. What are you going to do? Are you going to boost or are you going to break? Mm, so I'm going to do both. Because okay. All right. I'll allow, it. <laughs> I'll allow it. Yes. So I'm going to boost this meal prep company that I've been using because I needed to take a break from cooking. You're All right. a meal cooking, prepper. Okay. Okay. Cooking was just going – it was taking over my life, Mandy. I just couldn't do it. I'm like, I – especially when you're launching a business, you're going to end up eating takeout every single day. And I'm like, okay, something needs to stop. So I, I searched far and wide for a company that actually delivers like fresh food to my door. They do it twice a week. It's not like frozen, anything like that. It's not um, – I'm not going to say the name of any other companies, but you know what I mean. It's not frozen You can think food. of them. Mm-hmm. It's fresh, <laughs> delivered to my door. It's local to San Diego. And I'm like, that's the trick. When you're going to find a company that's going to deliver food to your door, it has to be local. It can't yeah. be like shipped through the mail. So they deliver it fresh twice a week. It's delicious. It's woman owned. Um, can I say the name of the company? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I'm waiting. Okay, good. The name <laughs> of the company is Michaela's. Um, so if you're in San Diego, highly recommend. And it's been amazing. And now I have all this free time to do all the other things that I do, like making more TikToks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The world needs more TikToks. Okay. Please of don't cook for yourself. Clearly. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. I've tried. Yes. Yeah, so no, I love that. I've, I think I've tried all of the the main. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going off my microphone. Same. Sorry, Dennis. I'm back. I'm back in the middle. Um, yeah. I think I've tried all of the same meal kit, uh, com- uh, meal kit things, but especially the ones that come delivered when I was on maternity leave. It was a it was a lifesaver just to have something I didn't have to think yes. about, but just putting nutrients in my body. But like the tastes all begin to set like taste the same. And that's that's awesome. So Michaela's and it's local to San Diego. Um yes. so we'll put a link to that in our show notes and shouts out to a woman-owned business. Yes. Um okay, so that's your boost. You said you got a break. What's it gonna be? Well, that was my that was the break though. The break was I'm not oh. cooking. So because I'm oh, okay, taking we're a break taking from a cooking. break from cooking. Okay, gotcha. And the boost was Michaela's. There you go. Does that I see count? what you did there. That counts. <laughs> that counts. It's your first time. I would call that a full boost because it was okay. all positive. Fair. But I feel you. I feel you. We missed the break, you know, when you had your breakdown from trying to cook and do your TikToks at the same time. But it works. It works. It works. I'm going to do a boost too because I'm feeling pretty optimistic today. Um, I don't have regular TV, so I don't watch primetime television anymore. So I I didn't watch the Emmys, but thank goodness for IG because I was able to watch the incomparable Debbie Allen's um, acceptance mm. speech. So Debbie Allen, are you familiar with her or her work? Yes. Uh, if you're a Grey's Anatomy fan, I'm like, you know, yes. stand from the beginning. Same. That is where I became familiar with her um, as um, as Catherine, Dr. Catherine. Wait, why? I'm, Avery on Grey's Anatomy, but she is so much more than an actress. Debbie Allen is iconic as a dancer, as a as someone who's created um, opportunities for black and brown, especially youth, to become to have a to to get a career in dance and to 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 find their way. And she's a director and amazing, amazing. And she won the spectacular award at the Emmys, the Governor's Award or something miraculous. But her speech was just so powerful. And I encourage anyone who's listening right now to go find Debbie Allen's speech because to see, just see a black woman who has been doing the work for decades, get her flowers. It doesn't get her flowers while she's still here. You know what I mean? Yes. I just feel like it it doesn't happen enough. Um, And her speech was at the very end, she goes, you know, I want people to hear this speech from Texas, women to hear young women to hear this speech mm. from Texas all the way to Afghanistan and be inspired. And I just love her so much. So oh, shouts out to Debbie well, Allen. I usually don't watch award show, but I'm like, now I'm going to have to look that up because <laughs> that sounds like it was worthy of watching. You know, I, I, I like to just look at the highlights. So what was the best speech? Who looked crazy? Um, you know, VMAs are this. I'm just now finishing the VMAs performances, and I I know most of the performances this year. I feel like I'm I'm catching up with the youth. Okay, like, I, I feel like I'm not, and I'm on TikTok, and I'm like, I don't know any of these musics, but I use them because <laughs> they're trending. They're like, oh, you know the song? I'm like, no, it's trending. Um, 
But I did catch like the Met Gala. Like that's always fun to see what yeah. everybody's wearing. So I did catch that. And I even made a meme of Kim Kardashian because everybody was making That's a meme. where I saw it. Yes. Yeah, her, <laughs> listen, we could spend an entire day about like what did you say? Her her outfit was like the debt coming up the stairs to get you or something like that. <laughs> I, I did a few. I was like um, – like her sister was Friday and then Kim was Sunday scaries. And then the other one I did was um, her sister was um, leaving corporate America. And then Kim was health insurance. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yes. Can we wait a second? We didn't talk about that. What do you do for health insurance? Yeah. I pay $700 a month for Cobra. Cobra. Okay. All right. And then I could have gone in the marketplace and gotten something cheaper. But again, it was one of those things where I did a cost benefit analysis of like, how much do I want to aggravate myself shopping for health insurance so Mm -hmm. that I could potentially maybe save $200 a month, which by the way, I'm not denying that $200 a month is a lot of money. But for me personally, I'm like, is it worth it for me? And so I made the decision to keep the health insurance that I had. Again, I'm not planning to stay here forever that much longer the country so by the time my cobra runs out hopefully i won't be here and i'll be on that sweet sweet portugal insurance that is only a hundred dollars a month thank you amen um so i am waiting for that i'm so glad you brought that up people think solopreneur life is so sexy and it's like are you trying to have health care when you need it yeah like you know what i mean especially now of all time so thanks for sharing that okay This has been amazing. Delian, thank you so much again for saving my, as you say, my culo in Espanol. <laughs> thank you. Because um, Tiffany Tiffany is off on the West. I think she's on your side of town. She's on the yeah, West Coast doing something so, right? fabulous in California. Yes. So um, thank you so much. I, I'm just loving. Thank you for doing what you're doing. It's so fun to watch you soar. Thank and you. it's so it's just nice to meet you and put a put a voice uh, to the face and yes. the name that I see so much. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. This was an absolute honor. I love the show. I'm obsessed. And congratulations on launching your business too. Thank you. You know, I'm doing it. All you got to do is put it up on Instagram, apparently, and you're a business owner. Done. (laughs) But it's amazing. All right. Well, thank y'all for listening. Stick around, Delian, because we're going to take some questions for Friday's BAQ&A. But for those of you who don't follow Delian, the money coach, you have got to follow her. Check the show notes. We'll have all of her socials there. Find out how you can slay the stock market as well at her website. So definitely scroll on down to the show notes and get all of those links. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.